Metu Netter, Volume 3, The Key to Miracles. Preface. Preliminary Discourse. The following information is extremely critical to understand the successful application of the teachings in this book. A major cause of the general failure to understand the majority of the teachings in the spiritual literature of the world is the assumption by most people that everyone is on the same page in relation to meaning of common words and concepts. At the very beginning, I must warn the reader that it is most likely that we do not share the same, quote, understanding of such common words as oracle, God, gods, deities, angels, spirit, spirits, soul, mind, universe, individual, understanding, subconscious mind, magic, miracle, success, law, beliefs, thinking, grace, will, analysis, synthesis, religion, meditation, animal, emotions, consciousness, man, materialism, spirituality, and many, many other words. And unless we get on the same page from the very beginning regarding the meaning of these words and their related objects and concepts, this book will not be fully useful to the reader. The reason for the general misdefinitions of these words will be found in the fact that the people who are responsible for the codification of the popular meanings of these words were not truly conversant, if at all, with the objective or conceptual realities that are associated with the words. Let's begin with the word oracle, which plays a major role in this book. It denotes a person priestess, etc., who serves as a medium through which a spiritual agency gives counsel. Objects casted as lots to serve as a medium for communicating with spiritual agencies for guidance or the shrine where such counsel is received. By extension, it denotes a person who delivers wise and spiritually authoritative advice. This meaning for the word is generally agreeable to all. But do people truly understand the meaning of the word and the concept and reality that the word points to? Where you ask, where you to ask a Christian for his or her opinion about oracles, you would most likely receive a response that holds oracles in a bad light. Yet placed in most sacred shrine of the Hebrew tradition, the Holy of Holies in the Temple of Solomon was an oracle, guarded by two cerebrum. The only sense that one can make of this is that the high priest, who entered the Holy of Holies once a year, used the oracle to communicate with God as an important function of the event. Yet that image and understanding does not generally come to mind when most people hear the word oracle. The word generally conjures up such words as divination, fortune telling, mystical communication, etc. 
There is clearly a, quote, disconnect between the ancient and original use of oracles and the contemporary so-called modern usage of the word and the reality that it represents. When the eminent Swiss psychologist Carl Jung and the preface to Richard's Welm's One Ching, the Chinese oracle, asked the oracle, the One Ching or I Ching, about, quote, its thoughts concerning its introduction to the Western world, it responded that, quote, fat of the pheasant, meaning the most nutritious food for thought would not be eaten. Unfortunately, Mr. Jung and the author missed the full important, the full import of the statement and went about their merry way writing on the subject. Almost everyone today believes that the book is cryptic. In fact, obstructionism, obstructantism is the prevailing approach to the common opinions about oracles. The obscurity of I Ching Council comes from the mere fact that it is a Taoist work that has been primarily commented on by one of the world's major anti-Taoist Kung Fu Tees, Confucius. To properly understand the I Ching and to benefit from it, one must be practicing Taoist. The book, the I Ching, has been translated as the book of changes when it is a means of consulting God to learn what thoughts ye, the will, must use to be in harmony with the changes in and to make proper changes in the life force, the qui, which is the agent that governs effects in the life of man. What a tragedy. Over a thousand years of great counsel to the world have been thrown away by Confucius' understandings of what an oracle, especially the I Ching, was about. Had things been different, the I Ching may have had a shrine in a, in a holy of holies at one of or several of the prestigious Ivy League universities in the world, which would have helped to prevent the present debacle in Iraq. Shortly before the war, a public I Ching reading was done and we received the 46 hexagram changing into the fourth. The inexperience pushes upward into an empty city. Suppose this reading had been done at Harvard or Yale or in the Holy of Holies of some major religious institution. The same can be said about the Metu Netur. Metu is one of the chief ancient Egyptian words for word. And netter means God. Metu netter translates into word of God. The reality and conceptual reality pointed to the Egyptians in their use of this term is very different from what the Judeo-Christian word world understands in their use of the term. The confusion began with the Greeks. The Egyptians had three different scripts, which incidentally is a which incidentally is a prodigious fact that given the fact that very few nations developed a script, the hieroglyphic script, the most ancient of the three, was used most exclusively for religious literature. The other two, the hieratic and demonic, were used primarily 
for secular communication. The Greeks who never understood the language or the scripts concluded quite superstitiously that the hieroglyphic script was used for religious writings because the hieroglyphs themselves possess magical properties. Yet they were correct in calling the script hieros, holy sacred, glyphs, writings from in the form of pictographs, carvings. Today, with the great advances in information, Sharon, it is a shame that hardly anyone understands why the Egyptians held on to the hieroglyphic system after having invented two much more efficient forms of writing. Words written in the hieroglyphic system had two components. One part consisted of alphabetic characters and the other called a determinative was an ideogram with a literal or figurative meaning. The alphabetic component communicated the meaning to the left of the hemisphere of the brain while the ideogram commuted to the right side of the brain. In this manner, the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic system was and still the most advanced form of written communication. By engaging both sides of the brain, it establishes an optimum mental condition of learning and understanding. Spiritual information was too important to the Egyptians to regulate its communication to one side of the brain, especially the left side, which is the target of all alphabetic forms of writing, so-called modern. What is it then? Take it literally? Is it the word of God, Hieros? What do you think? Can God communicate verbally and symbolically with man? Or do you believe, along with the lunatic fringe, that mind is a chance creation of dead matter that by chance created living matter, which by chance created intelligence and consciousness? Of course, you have heard a number of men who claim to have directly received communications from God to have received the word of God. Such men are called prophets, aren't they? But why should they have been the only ones? And why have they all lived in ancient times? If it was a good thing to the world for God to pass on some messages to a few people, why not a few more? Yet, what proof do we have that these men have passed on the truth to us? To understand that the Metuneter represents the reality that God speaks literally to man and that man can ask God for very specific guidance like in selecting a mate for marriage, for example, and receive a very concrete and direct answer, we must totally leave the Western worldview paradigm and enter the comedic. We can look at the subject through Western eyes, nor pursue guidance from God to satisfy a Western lifestyle. We must give up what is dear to us? Absolutely not. But we must look at what we want in life from a different perspective. We will get many more blessings than we ask for and much more of the good things in life that than we could ever imagine. Many are amazed of the great accomplishments of ancient Egypt. The ruined remnants of its civilization dwarf much of the living world today. The few that know are even much more amazed by its accomplishments in science, mathematics, medicine, religion, literature, architecture, engineering, art, etc. Quiet as it's kept, the world is greatly indebted to it for its contribution to the modern world. Yet even fewer have inquired into how Egypt 
achieve these great accomplishments? What was the source of their inspiration and genius? Could you go back 3,000 years into the past and ask one of their scribes or priests? They would tell you in a matter-of-a-fact manner, quote, why, of course, Netter was our guide in all of these things, end quote. Where did the word get its notion that one could pose a verbal request to God? Do not people pray to God for assistance in all areas of their life? And while this practice is, in the Judeo-Christian world, one, a one-sided transaction, you pray to God. In the Kemetic and other African traditions and some Asian, it is two-sided. You just don't pray to God. You involve yourself in a dialogue with God where you where you to ask God if you should marry Robert, you will get an answer telling you that success depends on you changing this or that habit or getting your finance together or that Robert is not sincere or that he is not yet capable of being nurturing or loving, etc. In addition, you will receive insight into the spiritual lessons and laws behind these problems so that you and Robert can set to work at making changes in your lives in order to succeed through spiritual growth. The difference between the two approaches, praying to God versus dialoguing with God, is a world apart. In the former, you may receive an answer in the form of an opportunity opening up to you, or you may not receive an answer at all. In dialoguing with God, you will always receive a verbal answer. By correctly implementing this answer, you will not only succeed in your quest, your understanding will grow through the enlightenment embodied in the verbal response from God, from the word of God, the Metuneter. This dialoguing with God is con conducted through a few of the world's oracles, the Metuneter of Kemet, the Ifa of the Yoruba, and the I Ching of the China are among the major ones. You may wonder why not why the tarot the most popular oracle in the world was not included in the list. The answer will become clear once you master the teachings in this book or achieve mastery in the use of the I Ching or the Ifa. Not all oracles have the inner structure or symbol yet that allows God to carry out its lawfully spiritual conversations with man. You may also wonder about the mediums that functions as oracles Although many such mediums can effectively reveal the future and the past, this practice is not the same as that of the oracles. Although oracular counsel ties to the past, present, and future, the oracles that allow God to converse with man have as their purpose the giving of spiritual insight for the purpose of success through spiritual growth. Most mediums lack the spiritual development to function in this capacity. They can reveal the want, but not the spiritual why and how, etc. Speaking directly with God in the manner of prophets is, of course, out of the picture for the vast majority of people. And incidentally, mediums do not speak to God. They converse with the spirit of deceased beings or see events in the inner plane. We are now prepared to understand why the Greeks called the scripts of Egypt's hieros, defined glyphs. Some of the hieroglyphs can be used as means of establishing a dialogue with God. This is the basis of the Metuneter oracle, 
Oracular communication is carried out through the set of hieroglyphs that compose it. These images are able to serve this purpose because each one represents one of the 11 laws of God. You need not believe this. Working with the Metuneta Oracle will provide the proof. It is an interesting fact that in all non-Western Islamic traditions, there is a complete facility and acceptance of oracles. Just about every adherent to the Judean or Judean Christian faith will tell you that consultant oracles is prohibited by their religion, and in some cases that doing so is trafficking with demonic spirits and so forth. But this contradicts the Judean Christian experiences recorded in the Hebrew and Christian Bibles. On the Day of Atonement, the scapegoat was selected by the throwing of lots. Leviticus 16, 8-10 The land of Cana was similarly divided among the tribes. Numbers 26, 55 Joshua 15, 18, 10 and 19, 51, 21, etc. Saul was chosen king by lots. 1 Samuel 10, 20, 21, the Levites consulted to choose their priests for service. 1 Chronicles 24, 5 through 21, the garment of Jesus was divided in this manner. Matthew 27, 35, Mark 15, 24, and many more instances are shown in the Bible. Why then have the reputation of oracles diminished so much today? Part of it is due to the rise of imperialism and colonialism. You cannot conquer a people without destroying their strongest means of survival, their ability to seek and get guidance from God. Yet in destroying the most important element of other people's religion, the Western world succeeded also in destroying theirs. It must be remembered that the holiest element of the Hebrew religion was holy of holies that resided in the Temple of Solomon, along with the Ark of the Covenant. And it was the oracle that was kept in the Holy of Holies, the most holy shrine of the religion as its given name states. Hopefully the vast majority of the people in the 21st century will join in with the spirit of time and check out the oracle and other spiritual teachings on their own. It is not a matter of dogma, but of experience. What is an oracle and why should they be used? can only why should they be used can only be used by looking at it in the context of a larger picture a brief look at the fundamental principles of the ancient egyptian spiritual tradition will throw light on the subject fundamental principles of comedic spirituality here ends the reading on page 10 preface.